Is your cell phone off, Shannon? Um, Mine's not. Let, let me. T- I I turned mine off. My I'm excited to read you something someone sent me this morning. Oh, um, read it, read it, read it. Or do you want to wait for like the show to officially start? Probably okay. so because it's it's just a fun text that somebody I had no idea that I know listens to our show, but I didn't know it, and she sent me a text. Today. <gasps> I have one like that too. You do? Okay, let's just go ahead and do it. Okay, so. She said, so I keep meaning to text you, but I keep forgetting. I wanted to tell you that I love your podcast that you do with Danae. You guys make me laugh. I like to listen to it while I'm putting my makeup on at Silver Dollar City. What, wait, she doesn't what? randomly do it. She's a performer at Silver oh, Dollar City. That makes so much more sense. <laughs> I only wear makeup at SDC. <laughs> so, context, context. By the way, Silver Dollar City is a really fantastic uh, theme park. If you've never been, it's in the Ozarks. And yes. If you ever come to this area, it's it's a it's a lot of fun. And she's a she's a great performer. She's been there for a long time. Um, she says anyway. I thought you should know that you guys are awesome. Aww. Little blushy face emoji. Okay, okay. So, do you know what my response is? Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. Will you please go give us a review and rate us? <laughs> <laughs> Get right to the point. (laughs) That's great. Thanks for texting me, but I really want you to go to iTunes. But would you please um, subscribe, (laughs) rate, and share us? (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, I also had a conversation with someone. I was over at a friend's house and they had some guests over as well. And so we're all kind of just talking back and forth. And one of the guys said, hey, my wife listens to your podcast. And I was like, oh, cool. He said, yeah, she said that you listened to a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. (laughs) Which one is it? And so I told him and he goes, I listened to that one, too. Of course he does. I think I know who you're talking about. Of course. I was so excited because I thought, yes, fellow nerds, unite. Oh, my God gosh and i really have been thinking about what we talked about uh several episodes back about getting like business cards and genuinely starting to pass them out because yeah i just there's a lot of different shows out there but i think you can tell that shannon and i have a lot of fun Mm -hmm. and we just want to welcome more and more people so for those of you who have sent us personal messages or personal conversations uh thank you guys so much for your encouragement we're having a ball our plan is to go this entire year just keep creating fun new episodes and content um we like to share your feedback and things like that on our minisodes too so every time we do an episode like today a full episode we also do a little minisode just more opportunities for you guys to really be the shining stars of the podcast yes we love to hear from you um we absolutely love it and if there's a topic that you want us to talk about or you want to learn more about it together or Don't hesitate to send us your feedback and let us know what you want to hear because this show is being done, although we do have a ball and it is for us. It's for you, too. I mean, it's for us in the sense that we just love hanging out and laughing together and talking together. But the main purpose of it is to be able to um, just do life with this community. Yeah, we want to highlight the um, not so perfect moments in life and laugh our way through it. If you have a story from your life that you think that Uh, the audience at large would really enjoy. We usually start the podcast off right in the middle of a conversation talking about something rather embarrassing. I know. I was was gonna tell you. This is like one of the most official starts we've ever had. I know. It feels kind of weird because I've been (laughs) saving my story about how I choked on one lentil. (laughs) Well. (laughs) One lentil. I'm still not speaking correctly from the level of coughing one tiny, tiny lentil can cause. My daughter had to come in. She thought she was gonna have to Heimlich me. This literally just happened. Today? Yes. Just just shortly ago it's just not minutes ago proper english (laughs) (laughs) yes i literally i guess like i went i was so you know when you're so hungry and you know it's the middle of winter and it's cold and you're like yeah i love lentil soup and i just went to dig in there and somehow my um mouth went you you sucked it in instead of chewing but i only got one like the whole spoon was filled with lentils, but one little lentil shot to the back of my throat and choked the tar out of me. Like I was up, I was coughing. I literally, I had like all this water coming out of my eyes. It wasn't tears. It, it wasn't was, tears. It was just coughing. It was lentil soup. Like Megan's like jogging over. She's totally CPR, first aid certified to like Heimlich me. <laughs> it was bad. I was gagging over the um, trash can just on one lentil. It was one lentil. And when it was all done, I was like, I didn't know a lentil could do that much damage. And she started laughing. Little did you know that many, many years ago, 
that lentil made a choice in its life to be a very bad lentil. And it, <laughs> I'm like, where are you going it with It waited this? at the bottom of that lentil bag, just plotting. To you know what? Me. As soon as I can be a bad lentil to someone else, I'm going to do it. And all the lentils around just didn't like him. And they would say, shame on you, lentil. Your <laughs> whole purpose is to be consumed and be nutrition. And he said, no, my purpose is to attach myself to someone's uvula and choke them out. <laughs> And that lentil fulfilled its whole dream. It did. It almost <laughs> killed me. One lentil. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I'm glad you actually didn't choke out. <laughs> I know. I'm still like all scratchy from it. Didn't stop me from eating half that container of caramel corn, though. I once thought, did you say half a container? <sighs> yes. <laughs> You see, we do share embarrassing stories, even when we're like, you know what? We'll just start I a just, show. So we I was, just we can't help ourselves. I was driving here, and I was thinking, I have an addiction to sugar. Mm. I need I need a pill. Like I don't want to do the discipline. I don't want to do the hard work. I just want to not crave it anymore. Mm. I don't want to work hard at it. It just it overwhelms me. Do you ever have things like that in your life where you just know I got to get a hold of this and. But the feeling of getting a hold of it is so overwhelming that you're like, just give me a pill. <laughs> just okay. Take a pill. Legitimately. Is this, I shouldn't admit this. No, I know what you're talking about. And it's weird because it kind of goes into our topic today. Oh. So mm-hmm. I do know that feeling of being like, I've got to get a handle on this and kind of, mm-hmm. I don't relate. I don't relate it to food. I never had a problem with food until, well, I've always loved food. Right. But it wasn't like an unhealthy relationship with it until Probably. What would you say? You've known me a long time. Like the last year I've gone. Well, I've known you for, I think we're going into our eighth year of friendship. Mm-hmm. So. Have I been this way the whole time? I remember you always kind of like jokingly mentioning that you ate half a pan of brownies or okay, whatever. Well, actually, I have. In fact, we should ask my husband. I probably have but, always had this problem. But I wonder if it's an increasing measure and or you're just becoming more confident in sharing your truth. That this is just part of who you are. That Maybe you kind of binge to. sugar a little bit. Or I binge anything. Really? Yes. Okay. Like bread, any anything, veggies. I love it all. And I just... Well, you obviously metabolize it, though. It's not like you're, you know, you're eating it and gaining a ton of weight. Right. So maybe it's like a body craving because you have a high metabolism. I'm not trying to justify if maybe, you have an issue, but I'm just well, <laughs> maybe it's myself feeling good. I just am starting to feel like, man, this is a real discipline issue and probably because of what I do for a living. It's been a lot of time counseling kids and talking to them about, you know, self-control and discipline and so my big fingers are pointing towards me going, "You don't need to eat half the container." That's true. You of could caramel corn Take a handful, eat it, enjoy it, and move on. Give yourself some small, manageable goals. Let me let me just quote my friend Shannon here. Small, manageable <laughs> goals, Shannon. Maybe just go from half of a can of whatever to just like a quarter can. Have you ever had that butter toffee? I have. Caramel corn with the nuts. But it's so I can good. eat half of one and walk away, and I don't know why I'm like that. It's weird. I, I had so many I was, other problems, as I was though. shoving it in my face today, <laughs> double fisting it. I was like, oh, Danae, how do you eat one bite of a Kit Kat, you jerk? <laughs> it's almost like you're angrily eating on behalf I of am. me. I am. I'm like, ah, <laughs> see this, Danae? Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for doing that for me so I don't sure. have to. That's that's real friendship. <laughs> that's right. That's I'm taking real one friendship. for the team, man. Take him one for the team. Okay. Well, by the way, I'm Danae. And I'm Shannon. This is the Picture Imperfect podcast uh, show where Shane and I get together every week. We talk about a big picture topic and then we zoom in to identify a few areas where we can learn more about becoming better people, not perfect people. We sort of highlight our own not so perfect stories in an attempt to encourage you to embrace this journey um, in all of its forms because life is not meant to be perfect. And really, honestly, anyone who tells you that life should be perfect needs to be slapped in the face with a trout. (laughs) That's my personal opinion. We're going to do this podcast very aggressively today. <laughs> I guess so. I'm like shoving oh. food in my mouth. You're hitting people in the face with trouts. <laughs> Take that world. Uh, Hello, 2019. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> so uh, today is episode six, and we're going to be talking about a word, a lifestyle that I once was very overwhelmed by and hated. 
mm-hmm. uh, until I realized that there is, in fact, a lot of love in minimizing. And that's the word minimize minimize it was actually my word uh one of my words for 2018 Mm -hmm. so um i have a lot of personal stories to Mm -hmm. share with that and we'll get to that here in just a minute because first we're going to filter in five all right we have another question today which is so fun thank you for sending in your questions to pictureimperfectshow at gmail.com Shannon, why don't you explain filter in five while I pull up the timer? Okay, sounds good. So for those of you who are just joining us, filter in five is a segment we do on each episode where someone sends a question in and Danae and I go on the timer and we together collectively have to answer this question in five minutes or less. And for those who've been following the podcast, you know, initially we used to go over time all the time, but we have begun. We never thought it was possible to start filtering in five. So let's see if we can keep our streak up. All right. So this question comes from Cindy and she okay. asks this. What is your favorite childhood vacation and what is your favorite vacation as an adult? I love this because, again, it's kind of like more personality, like learning more about you yeah. and I individually. I had a chance to glance at this, so I'm going to answer my uh, adult vacation one. And I'm going to say it was Jamaica because uh, it was my husband and I's vacation honeymoon moment. So and it was my first time leaving the country. And I was really terrified because I was afraid like when I landed, I didn't know anything about where we were going or who I could trust. Like, is the cab driver going to drive us to our actual destination? So it was Mm -hmm. really unnerving. But then once we got there, just all of my control freak panic stuff just started to melt away. And um, I just really got to enjoy the water Mm -hmm. and the beach and the environment. And it was really beautiful. And we went on a couple of excursions and talked with people that were actually like from the island. And that was a, that was a lot of fun. So that was one of my favorite adult life Mm -hmm. vacations and i'm gonna think about my kid one while you answer whichever one you have up at the top of your head so my favorite adult vacation gosh that's a hard one because my honeymoon we went to hawaii and that was oh yeah gorgeous we were on the island of Kauai, and it was our my in-laws had sent us there and so and they went there very frequently so they had like every bit of our trip planned out with all these amazing excursions and different things it was wonderful but I think as a family, as a, a married woman and a mom, um, I love all of our vacations. But Florida, a few years ago, we went to Florida and it was just really fun to sit on the beach and the water's very different than growing up in California. The ocean's just different. So it was clear and it was warm and Sean and Megan went parasailing and um you know, just drinking a pina colada on the beach, just watching my kids just hang out and have fun. It was just, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. I also went to Hawaii once. I Did was, you? Yeah. The any the tropical foliage and tropical plants are so beautiful and different. And I'm mm-hmm. born and raised in the Ozarks where, you know, I'm used to what we have in this right. area. So seeing something so vibrant and different was just mm-hmm. like kind of mind blowing. Okay. So as a kid... I think my favorite one, there's a couple of them. Like we went to New Hampshire once and kind of stayed on this uh, lake that my like front cabin that my family owned. And that was really beautiful because they have like the birch trees Mm -hmm. that look like paper. Mm -hmm. That was a really, really fun um, memory of mine. But we also went to Florida. And so when you mentioned Florida, I, I just have vivid memories of the the sand what the sand felt like it's just so soft and white and then my first time mm-hmm. seeing the ocean was there and going mm-hmm. to disney you know i was like eight or nine years old mm-hmm. so it was like really impactful to go to disney mm-hmm. and stuff so it's kind of cliche in a way mm-hmm. but uh for a landlocked <laughs> ozarkian right that was a lot of fun uh when i was a kid right what about you We didn't do a ton of family vacations growing up. So I'm trying to think. My dad loved to camp and I was never a big camper. Like it just, and when I say camp, he didn't camp in the places where there were like showers and bathrooms. It was literally like go out in the woods and do your business sort of thing. So to me, that lifestyle never really appealed to me in a way that he and my brother still love doing that. And wasn't as um, fun for me to do that, but I do remember we went to the Grand Canyon once, and I'm from California, so it wasn't, Grand Canyon wasn't very far from where we lived, but I remember driving there and 
just seeing the Grand Canyon and for at, from a kid's perspective, I mean, it's huge as an adult. It's a real huge. And I just remember seeing all these people just riding mules down the canyon to the very bottom. And I will never forget just standing there going, that's just nuts. Like I'm <laughs> petrified of heights. Like who would ever do that? And that made a real impact on me. And then later in life, when Sean and I were driving cross country once, he decided to detour when I was asleep and go to the Grand Canyon. And so he wakes me up to see the sun rise on Grand Canyon, over the Grand Canyon. And he's pointing at the donkeys or the mules going, I want to do that one day. And I'm like, you crazy. <laughs> you married the guy who loves it. <laughs> who loves to do it. And I'm like, you're nuts. <laughs> so it was kind of funny to have that that memory of as a yeah. kid standing there going, those people are crazy. And then standing there as an adult with my husband. I want to do that one day. Well, by yourself, sweetheart. <laughs> That's amazing. I would love to go to the Grand Canyon. I've never been out west. At oh, least okay. not yet. Fingers crossed. It's a future love. Okay. Guess what? We did it again. Yay! We did we it again. We are getting really, really good at this. Well, thank you for sending in that question. Um, we love doing the filter in five. Uh, again, you can send us any question you want. Uh, our email is pictureimperfectshow at gmail.com. Um, and we would love to feature your question. Or if this has spawned a memory that you want to share, um, you can let us know. Mm-hmm. Give us a give us an email. Shoot us an email. All right, Danae. Let's do it. I'm so excited. I'm so excited about this topic. Um, I know. It kind of reminds me of when we talked about routine. In yeah. A way. It's, I feel the same way. I'm really excited about this. So one of my favorite parts of this show, because it's just so relaxing to me, I'm <laughs> getting, I, I'm like already mentally preparing myself as if you're like massaging me right now <laughs> as you're speaking softly uh, and taking me into the museum of my mind before we go there i just want to just just a little side note i'm a massage therapist that's why she's talking about me giving massage okay i always forget that not everybody knows the context of what i say and then it could come off really weird so i was like maybe i should mention that i I do that quite frequently it's okay yeah we talked we start with the museum of the mind uh so here's the idea the big picture today being the word minimize think of it like you're walking into a museum and there's all these paintings that are hanging on the wall and maybe it's kind of quiet in the museum everyone's walking around in kind of hushed tones and really in awe of these works of art and you turn uh, the corner, you step into the gallery, and there on the wall is a gigantic picture titled Minimize. And so here at this moment, just think about what minimization means to you, how it hits you emotionally, if you're a visual person, what that visual might look like. And we're going to describe what it is for us. Shannon, do you want to start? So for me, what I see when I go into the museum of my mind it's not even so much what I see as what I feel right I just it feels light it feels simple um feels manageable I just I like it's crisp it's bright um airy feeling does that sound weird no because sometimes it is more visual and sometimes it's more of an emotional feel Mm -hmm. so and I'm not really surprised that you're feeling the weightlessness, because I know kind of your history with minimizing. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I see a twofold picture. On the left hand side, there's this large kind of encumbering figure sort of standing over a smaller figure. And the feeling of it is somebody that is belittling or minimizing you. Oh, The first time I really had an interaction with the word minimize, it was actually from kind of a more negative perspective of somebody that was like shrinking me down or belittling my passions and my impact, kind of pointing out that I couldn't do it rather than seeing the good in what I was doing. Okay. So it felt kind of more like an attack than it was a positive word. Mm-hmm. So when I started to figure out the positive side to minimize, there was like a little bit of a barrier for me mm-hmm. to get to that. So on the right side of the painting, uh, what I see is like the silhouette figure of a, of a person, but the he- head is a house, like, like, a, like a silhouette of a house, just like okay. the basic icon of a house mm-hmm. with the roof kind of opened up and then just a whole bunch of crap spilling out of it. <laughs> Because for me, that's kind of the process of minimizing my thoughts and minimizing my home and minimizing my life and just spilling all of that out. So that's kind of what the painting kind of looks like for me. I've never thought about 
the word minimize, you're right. Just from that perspective of someone minimizing you or or what, or you, what do. you do yeah. or what you care about. I've never thought about it. It can happen a lot in, that in, in a job environment where you're working really hard at something and somebody kind of comes up and just uh, another word for it that my mom used to say is poo poo, like kind of poo poo on it mm-hmm. and just minimize your work or minimize your mm-hmm. part that you uh, minimize the role that you're playing in life. And that's something that I was really sensitive to for quite quite some time and try very hard not to do that to other people. Yeah. People who are kind of have a critical eye tend yeah. to minimize other people or mm-hmm. other people's uh, mm-hmm. attempts. So um, yeah, the word minimize means to reduce something, especially something unwanted or unpleasant to the smallest possible amount or degree. So Let's talk about it a little bit more. We're going to zoom in on the topic of minimizing. Let's start with a little bit of an overview um, of what our experience is just in general yeah. of minimizing yeah, or, or the word minimize. So I know for me, it's been quite a journey. So I married a man who, when I met the guy, he literally prided himself in the fact that he could spit, he could fit his entire life inside of a duffel bag and that's what he's always desired he was someone that you know we're from california he spent a lot of time in hawaii and he would literally take his toothbrush and the clothes on his back and he'd take off and go to hawaii for weeks his dad lived there and so didn't need much in life like when i remember going into his house for the first time and there was like a sofa he didn't have a tv he didn't have a phone he had a bed and then he's an artist so he had the most stuff he had was all of his art stuff like his tables and and that point in time in life everything was pen and ink but those were the most like life supplies he had and so um anyway for me i was the opposite i came from a house where we literally held on to everything and we had we were consumers and so um we spent a good portion of our marriage like fighting over. He's like, I, this stuff clutters my mind. It clutters my life. And I didn't get it until just a few years ago. And as I began to start minimizing my my possessions, it then turned into minimizing my time, my commitments, um, even relationships. I saw the benefits of doing that. And now I couldn't imagine living any, any other way. I I'm really similar to you in that I came from what I call a collection family mm-hmm. where there's a history to some of the items that have been passed down and a lot of emotion that's attached to it. Like my mom and her family before her remember like where something came from. And so there was like a pressure almost that I didn't understand where it kind of came from, but there's like a pressure to care for everything. Right. And um, like, it's really cool. My mom has this like tiny, this is an example. She has this tiny rocking chair that was made by my great, 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 great grandfather. Wow. Now I normally don't remember details, like how many um, I have to remember it's how many fingers are on my hand is the grand, you know, like, cause I, I am not built that way. I don't look at something and remember the history of it. Um, but I still felt that pressure that I couldn't get rid of anything because it was important to someone mm-hmm. else. So it's not necessarily important to me. And I've had to learn how to get through the emotion of identifying what is important to me, what is important to someone else. Right. Like it is neat that I'm going to maybe pass this chair on to my daughter and that'll be her sixth great grandfather who made it that many years ago. And we've managed to keep good care of it. That's, right. that's a really kind of cool thing. But when it's every single item of a home, that gets really overwhelming to me. So, um, and again, there's like an emotion of keeping other things for other people. Like I've kept containers of items for people that used to live with me and then 12 years later delivered it to them. Fine. Cause I, oh, wow. and there's, it's really neat to see the joy in their face when they open it up and it's like, oh, I thought this was lost forever. So I've worked at, making new boundaries where I don't keep things for people um, any longer so that that cycle doesn't continue. Yeah. And so the last, I don't know, probably four years or so is me trying to stop the collection cycle and then work my way through caring for what I already have and then maneuver through understanding the emotional cycle of what is actually important to me. I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking and talking about collections and 
I, all these things are going through my head. I'm thinking about just growing up, all the stuff we had. And, and I'm thinking to myself, why, why did I struggle so much for so many years that Sean was like, I want to minimize whatever, just because we have a drawer doesn't mean there has to be something in it. And in my mind, if there's a drawer, you put stuff in it. And, um, and so as I'm thinking, why would I hold on to these things? Some of the things coming to my mind are, well, if I get rid of it, what if I what if I need it someday? Yes. And Sean would always say, well, Shannon, if we need it, we'll go out and buy it again. Well, there was a time in our life where we couldn't have afforded to do that. But now we live in more of a disposable society. It's yeah. easier to get things Um by far, but that's something that as you were talking and I was thinking back to, there are things in the family that I have that are, you know, beautiful antique chest that was my great, great grandmother's and it's in great condition. But that triggered my mind as to why did I shift from all of a sudden Sean saying for all these years, Shannon, we need to minimize it. Sean was a minimalist before minimalist was even a thing, like literally. He was living that way. And now it's like a fad and everybody's it's a lifestyle. Into it. Yeah, it is a lifestyle. Yeah. And we'll but, talk about some resources on that lifestyle later on in the podcast. Right. One of the things that triggered my memory, though, is I've hit that age in life where um, some of my friend's parents are beginning to pass away. And we started watching some of our friends have to go into their parents' houses and clean the house out and figure out what to do with everything. And that was the shift for me of when I was like, I do not want my kids to have to go through and sit and toil in their soul about this doesn't mean anything. But if mom held on to it, maybe it had a reason. And then them carry that guilt of getting rid of things. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. It's something that my mom and I recently talked about. My grandfather passed away in the spring mm, last year. Right. And um, my grandmother is in her, I think, late 80s. Mm-hmm. And so and she's still doing fantastic as far as health and and clear mind and everything. But she has been giving kind of more instructions to her children on what she wants to have happen. And they've lived in the same house for, you know, as long as I've been around. And so I'm going to say probably 40 years or more in the same home. Wow. And uh, all of their items have uh, personal value and memories to not only her children, but then the grandchildren who went there for Christmases. And, you know, there's just a lot there that has really fond memories. And so my mom being the kind of person who is a collector and a keeper and a an emotional tying emotion into things i kind of started probing her and asking like what are you doing to prepare yourself for this process like are, is there an established conversation there and then that turned into her and i talking about the plan once my parents pass away she says well what like let's talk about it you know this is a good thing that i'm having to talk to my mom about Right. What about for you, Danae? And then she kind of like gestured around her palace and said, what do you want to take with you whenever I go? And I was like, I don't think, I mean, maybe your drum. It's a really cool drum. Yeah. And she's like, well, what about the piano? And what about this? And what about that? And, you know, and I just don't have a connection to it. And I think I could see her crestfallen face kind of yeah. like, and and I don't think it's a shameful thing. I think it's just when you realize you're not like your daughter's not like you. No, my mom and I had a similar conversation where she was like, well, you know, I'm going to give this to you when I die or I'm going to give this to your brother. And we started talking about it and we're looking around and she's talking about things. And we're like, I don't want those things. That's not I don't have that attachment. And part of me wonders, is it a generational thing? Yeah, It could be because I mean, seriously, think about Back in the day, you had um, well-made furniture that would stand the test of time, and that's right. what you had. You had well-made china that was meant to stand the test of time. Right. And as you call it, kind of our A disposable mentality. Culture. Yeah, you can just, I mean, things, people just, they get um, cars, everything is just, not many people keep things the way they used to. We just have an accessibility that we've never had in, I think, any other generation. Well, this will kind of be maybe a good transition point into getting even a little bit more zooming in a little bit more into the kind of who, what, when, where, why Mm -hmm. to minimize. One of my big whys um, for minimizing in my life is that there is this attraction to a lifestyle where 
you kind of go back to that mentality of having one good piece of furniture that la- that stands the test of time and yeah. one great dish set. And it might mean getting rid of furniture or replacing furniture that just doesn't, that you just kind of got it to get it. My husband and I have this conversation many, many times. And because I'm in radio, it's actually been on the show many, many times. Cause it's like, it's one of those areas where we just don't agree. He wants to go to Walmart or wherever and just get some cheap silverware. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's save up and go to a department store when it's on sale and get a really good set of silverware that's going to last us the rest of our relationship. You know, mm-hmm. let's do that. And he's thinking, why would I want to go spend that much money on silverware? And I'm thinking, I'm tired of sticking my fork into pot roast and it bending in two. That's not because I make bad pork roast. Okay, I'm saying that it's like tinfoil. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) It is. um, It's definitely because, I mean, I remember back to there was a time where I would have totally agreed with Justin and said the same thing and been like, Sean and I would go just round and round. We're now on the same page about it. And it's it's a nice place to be. Um, It's definitely a different way of life. This last Christmas was super challenging for us because we really have adapted that either we're going to save up and get what we absolutely want, which means that if we don't, it's not a necessity and we don't need it right then, we're going to wait and we're going to save up. Um, If it's something we need right then, we're going to get the absolute cheapest because I don't want to spend it. It's more disposable. Does that make sense? Um, but we are we've literally began a practice of only buying things that we absolutely love and, and if that's we can't part of that lifestyle it, yeah then that means we wait and we sacrifice just back in the day like mm-hmm. great great pa- grandparents used to yeah. do that the envelope system and they'd save their money up and it means more um i we've done that i mean with everything in our house my dishes my wardrobe all of it and man it feels good when i get dressed and i put on really nice clothes now i don't have as many clothes as i used to have but but the clothes i do have are really nice and they'll last forever and there's probably like a middle ground like we don't have to get tinfoil you know silverware right and we don't have to get three hundred dollars silverware there's a middle ground where we can do research and we can go to places like home goods store or tj maxx where you can get really you know higher quality things at less price because it's something that fell off the back of a truck or something so there's ways that you can still be frugal and be minimalistic i think it's just a mentality change i like what you said shannon um when we were talking about this uh previously i wrote it down i'm quoting you when you said that um you minimize to have a to simplify for a richer lifestyle yeah and so sometimes we think that if you're minimizing it's not for a quote-unquote richer lifestyle not necessarily the literal term rich meaning more money but just that richer lifestyle the meaningful yeah just the value yeah which is kind of i feel like it's and we've mentioned it before shannon and i are both uh, people who are believers and who are Christians, and that is one of the threads. Is we're not supposed to care about these earthly possessions. We are supposed to care about the rich things of life, the relationships, and um, and I'll talk about this here in a little bit. But just getting distracted by all the stuff mm-hmm. can take away from having a rich lifestyle of not worrying about your stuff and actually spending time with people. Yeah, it's it's exhausting. I mean, one of the things that I've loved the most since we shifted into this lifestyle, and when I say we, Sean, like I said, I know he's listening to this podcast, and he's like, I've been doing this for my whole life, and I know that, sweetheart. So. <laughs> Okay, let's all just take a moment and say, good job, Sean. Good job, job. Sean. Good job. Um, But just the mind space that it frees up, the level of stress. I would far rather use my mind space to manage my relational aspects of my life and the different relationships than my stuff. I mean, one of the best things I ever did was bring myself down to literally, and you've been in my house a million times, six cups six spoons, six bowls. If I have more than six people over for dinner, I remember when I was doing this once I was like, what am I going to do if there's more than six people? I get paper plates. And oh. I, just, I do. I just or put it disposable. on the invitation. Go bring your own bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I just go disposable if it's more, if it's going to be a group larger than six. But I love that when I cook at night and we eat dinner, there's one dishwasher 
filled with stuff and then we empty it and it's done like the amount of time I have in my life because I'm not maintaining my stuff everything in my house every object I own now has a space because things aren't bulging you have to understand I am like an inner hoarder like I me too man I love to hoard and so this is something that I have had to work really really hard on um mm-hmm and it's been a year after year after year after year process. I did not get here quickly. I am not getting there quickly either. Um, I would say that we're kind of into the benefits of minimizing. So if you're thinking about like, oh, this sounds great, but like, I don't know, is there really a benefit to minimizing? I'm living a perfect life. This, the the mental space clearing up, the cabinet space clearing up, all of that gives you more time to do the things that are actually going to be important to your life. Uh, there's just more of a peace. There's less right. clutter in your head and less clutter in your life. Um, but it does take time and it is a process because there's, like I said earlier, a lot of emotion tied to these things. I mean, I had to go through a process of understanding the levels of importance of choosing what to get rid of. Um, and I would force myself to think I'm not going to have this corduroy skirt that was given to me by my mother anymore. I can't fit into it, but it meant something to her. And it was like really cool in 70s mm-hmm. or whatever. And I put it into the pile of clothes that I got rid of. And I still think about that skirt. Obviously, I'm talking about it now. I still wish I had that skirt. What if my daughter could have worn that skirt? Like I still do that stuff. But at the same time, I have to trust that skirt's gone on to the next better thing. And it's a freaking skirt. Right. <laughs> Why do I have the emotion about it? And so I've gone through so many levels of wrestling with what comes up when you choose to get rid of an item and I've gone through phases of it's in my giveaway pile and then I go back out to the garage and grab it and put it back in the house mm-hmm. and, and and it's I've okay like there's just a time and a season for it all but it's important to just start somewhere start somewhere I remember um fly lady is someone that when I very first started my um journey of organization and home management and all that that I really jumped on her bandwagon because I loved her systems and just it really related to me. And one of the things that she did was the I think it now don't quote me any of our listeners if I'm saying this wrong. because It's been so many years. I think it was called like the 25 fling boogie or something is the way she talked about it. I'm going to Google it. And yeah, it's, it's see if you can find it. Um, but anyway, the premise was to go through your house with a timer on and you had like five minutes to find 25 things to throw away and 25 things to give away. You got it right. Okay, good. It's the and 27 fling boogie. 27 fling boogie. Maybe I was only able to bring myself to do 25. Who knows? Anyway, um, but that's, I remember years ago how it started, but that emotional response you have. And I remember having to sit and like, talk myself through yeah. it initially is why am I holding on to this? Why does this mean so much to me? And almost every time what it came down to was because it was generally very clear to either keep it or get rid of it. And when I struggled the most to hold on to it, it was the fear of what if I need it and yeah. I can't replace it was generally what I would come to. Yeah, it's like a but there's not going to be another skirt like this. Mm. It's right. A, Never some, mind that I haven't yeah. worn it in 10 years. What if? What if one day, what if one day I want to wear it? And so it was really difficult for me. And I used to do the same thing. I would get rid of stuff and then I would go back into the garage and grab it out. So I started making a rule that now when I do that and get rid of it, it goes straight to my trunk and I get in the car and I write, then drive and get rid of it. Do you remember when I was on the phone with you a couple weeks ago and I did one of those numbers where I had just gone through a purge? It's gotten easier. I will tell you, um, I'm going to backtrack for a second. The process gets easier the more frequently you do it. And I actually find that um, I now crave to purge. My mom said to me just recently, she was like, how do you have anything left to get rid of in your house? And I'm like, I have no idea how we keep accumulating stuff because I'm not a huge shopper, but I keep finding things. But it's that mentality, Danae. Do I love this? Do I absolutely need it or do I absolutely love it? Or is it just collecting dust in my mind, in my space? So I went and just recently had a struggle with, do you remember I was on the phone with you and I had gone through, purged James's room to get ready because I knew birthdays and holidays and all that were coming. And that Spider-Man um, sleeping bag with the pillow. And I... I you, had a you were really it. hard yep. time getting rid of that. And you were I thinking about going the, back. Yeah, remember? Yeah. And I gave it to Goodwill. And I'm sitting on the phone with you going, 
Why is it still hard for me? It is a stupid sleeping bag that he doesn't even use. He may want it one time. Why am I doing this today? Why am I struggling? It's, it is an emotional thing. These are memories that we have. Um, and the benefit in minimizing doesn't mean that when you minimize, the memories are gone. It, it means that you don't have that thing anymore to hold on to that triggers those memories. So you may want to take a picture of something before you decide to get rid of it. You may want, you know, there's, there might be kind of a process to, for you to kind of flush it out because the, the, you know, the benefit is you don't have to keep track of it anymore. The benefit is that no longer is it your responsibility to make sure that it stays in pristine condition. You're giving it to somebody who probably needs it more than you do. Another child out there who loves Spider-Man and this is like a dream come true that they get to have this particular item. There's, and, right. and and I've gone to these places before and I've seen even the clothes, they'll shred the clothes and turn them into insulation for homes. So oh, there's cool. lots of ways that our uh, process of purging can benefit other people, other families in our society as a whole, um, just by choosing to kind of not, it's not tarnishing the memory. It's just, I don't know, not being the person that's responsible for right. keeping track of it. It's kind of like putting up a boundary, like we talked about early on um, and setting up that thing going, it's not my responsibility to care for all of these things I acquire. I do like living where I care for my things. I do like knowing that I'm the one that's taking good care of them, Mm -hmm. but I also don't want to live in a home that is just packed the gills with items that are just memory triggers, you know, Mm -hmm. where I'm just kind of living in the past. I kind of want to be more I don't know, more in the present. At least for me, that's what it was for me. was just, right. they're all memory well, triggers. And for me, it's, through the years, it's gotten easier. But I guess just, I just want to encourage anybody out there listening right now that no matter how many years you go through this process and you minimize within your life and you get rid of your possessions, there's going to still come things every once in a while where something does trigger something and it is harder Because in my mind, I was like, oh, this is going to, at some point, I'm not going to have any emotional attachment to my stuff because I've lived the benefits long enough to see why this is the thing. And then that that Spider-Man thing threw me for a loop. And I just remember sitting there on the phone with you going, why am I bothered by this? It's a stupid sleeping bag. It doesn't even mean anything. Why did I? And I can afford to go buy another one right now if I want to. I mean, why is this bothering me? But it is that... I don't know. I guess for me, it was a reminder of I can creep There's back into stuff. that. Yeah. Well, and you were also just to kind of put a cap on this particular moment for you. You're also wondering if your son wanted it. Yeah. You made a decision for be, someone else. Yes, and that so was he was going to be really upset because he talks all the time. I mean, anyone who's been to my house has heard James make some remark about the fact that his mommy gets rid of all of his stuff all the time. <laughs> And he'll get so mad at me. My kid knows every toy he owns. He takes very good care of his toys. It's a very impressive thing that he does. And I... But you don't get rid of them all. You purge them. I do. Because you have, you have a, a container of stuff. of stuff that is keepsake item that you are keeping mm-hmm. for long term. And I think future James is going to appreciate that. because And I do. The special stuff I do. Anything that's got a lot of memories attached to it that are super special, like his Daniel Tiger. Exactly. That was something that was very special is in a box. Um, I remember when I started this process years ago, one of the hardest things for me to get rid of is my kids' schoolwork and artwork and projects. Oh my gosh, wait as Iris starts bringing things home. It is so hard. Like every little thing they did, I wanted to hold on to. And I remember my friend Kristen, when we started this process years ago, saying, Shannon, take a picture of it. And that offended me. I was like, I can't take a, a digital picture of my child's artwork because it's when I touch the artwork, there's yeah. a feeling attached to it, which there's actually a whole science behind this. And it's that's for another time. We should talk about it. It's really cool. And I've taught some classes on it. But anyway, I remember her giving me a, a pretty decent sized box. And she's like, OK, then Shannon, if you can't take a picture and just throw these things away and you need the physical memory of it, then you've got this space. Oh, I like and that. That was one you're of the like, best okay. things. So I'm gonna I make to the best space. Out. Yes, because as they've grown up, year after year, when they bring things home that I love, I have to go to that box because I'm only allowed to keep it in that box. <laughs> so this, like, ten years later, Danae, I still have the same box in the same spot we left it, and I sit and I have to switch it out because I have three kids. So I've got this one box for 
three children of their special keepsakes, Aww. sweet things. So then I have to look at it and weigh it out. Like, go, okay, okay, noodle painting or handprint painting. Exactly. And kind of they go to battle in your mind. And- exactly. And that that has really, really helped me tremendously. And it gives me what I want, which is when it comes to my children's artwork and schoolwork and those memories, I want that physical when they're older one day. I want to be able to, when my house is empty, go through that and remember those physical memories that I wouldn't get if I was looking at a picture. And I think it's smart to remember, um, as we're kind of talking about this, that our version of what we would keep is different than, you know, so for you, you're you're trying to make decisions for James uh, and for your children, and they may, as they get to be adult level, they might have different interactions with keeping things, but you know, you're in charge of your home and your household. And this is something um, I guess we can talk about, you know, when to start, if you're thinking about minimizing or kind of going through a purge in your home, start wherever you, whenever you want, start kind of whenever it feels right. And if you're a parent, you can start for your children. My husband and I were reading um, the um, minimizing your toys and the importance of Mm -hmm. kind of living in that minimalistic mental space for your children so that they're not in toy overload. And we were reading that uh, just a few months after Iris was born when she didn't really have a lot of toys, but as time has gone on and she's kind of accumulated more, been given things for a birthday Mm -hmm. and Christmas and things like this, we have gotten into the habit of putting more things away so that she isn't as distracted Mm-hmm. as she plays and i've been thinking about how to create a pattern for her to learn about not hoarding things still valuing what you have but choosing to you know go and donate items and you know mommy's going to do it too and then we both purge our closet together or something mm-hmm. kind of making it more of a family family type thing um but that will start hopefully for her as part of her life growing up with us but my minimizing journey as far as like when to start um, was whenever I found out I was pregnant, which I think is kind of common whenever you've got a big shift happening in your right. home, whether you're getting married or you're moving or something happens in your home environment. And for me, I had this one room that was just my catch all everything room. It wasn't a good looking room. It was stuff all over the floor and open boxes and things spilling out of the closet and uh, furniture that was just piled with stuff and drawers Mm -hmm. that were stuffed with stuff, right? Right. All of it I cared for, but I didn't know where to put it in the home. I didn't know how to organize it. And I remember just, it was such a scary moment to go in there, find my little place I could sit down and begin to and I had to touch every single item in this room I had to look at it I had to have a moment with it I had to have a piece I had to say goodbye I had to reconcile that these crayons I had kept since I was eight years old did not in fact need to be kept although just to be fully honest with you I did keep those crayons and my daughter started to use them and let me tell you crayons over time lose some of their luster really oh yeah they're brittle and they broke and they were terrible they didn't have hardly any like pigment to them anymore so they were pitched shortly after she started using them um but anyways so the goal you know the goal being of course that this room would be empty and so i wanted to kind of whatever i boxed up to move out was stuff that i loved and i wanted to open up and like discover again So I guess what I'm saying is that like for my life, it sort of was a natural reaction to changes that were happening. So if you're thinking about starting at a spot in your house, just kind of go with whatever's natural. It may just be your mug collection that you're tired of looking at. You have three shelves of mugs that your friends and children have all given you as gifts and you feel weird about getting rid of them. Maybe make a goal of just moving it down to one shelf of mugs and just purge something and begin that process because for me it was like a domino effect mm-hmm. and once i felt that nesting feeling of a, of a kid coming it went over to this closet and then it went over to this like nook, nook and cranny moment over here so it just it kind of keeps going and going and going once you get started yeah it does and i think the key is just finding figuring out where it is you want to start and just setting a manageable goal Um, For me, that was the 27 fling boogie. And that was starting with just throwing away 27 things in the house, like, and I would just find trash. And then that led to now I'm going to give 27 things away. And, and then I took it a step further, um, because it does kind of become addicting. I just the, the um, 
feeling for me that I feel it just feels so orderly. And I'm a spontaneous person and very free spirited. So I am not by any means as I'm describing this. The fact that I live this way is kind of comical because it's so opposite to who I am, but it helps me to live more efficiently. I I'm freed up to do the things that I want to do. And so it started with the linen closet. And then I was like, why do I even have these in the linen closet? Why do I need multiple sets of sheets? Everybody should have one set of sheets on their bed and one set of sheets inside their closet in the room in case someone gets sick in the middle of the night or pees their bed. So now each room with a bed has two sets of sheets, one on the bed, one in the closet. They don't even have to walk out of their space to change their sheets. Yeah. With the pillowcases. And then the linen closet is for all the other crap. And then uh, the linen (laughs) closet, the goal is, I keep saying, I repeat it like a mantra. Like my husband said, just because you have space doesn't mean you need to fill it, (laughs) Shannon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, right, right. (laughs) We all need the little Sean shoulder angel. Exactly. And then there's the Shannon shoulder devil. You know... (laughs) We are obviously experiencing the benefits of what it means to kind of purge items and 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 free up that space. Um, but before we kind of wrap up talking about minimizing the items in your home, um, I also liked your point when we were talking about this earlier, Shannon, before the episode started, uh, that you can also minimize other areas of your life that yeah. aren't just things. You can mm-hmm. actually kind of minimize relationships which sort of ties back to boundaries and ties back to that kind of conversation about understanding when you can recognize that a relationship either with a job or a person is spilling over too much into your life. It's kind of like that closet. You open it up and it just jumps out at you. Right. But you can minimize in those areas too. And it can be a healthy experience. Absolutely. And not just relationships, but your time commitments. It really goes back to just, there's an overall mentality. It's it's a lifestyle switch of what do I want to put my time and energy into? Do I want to put it into a ton of people that I can't do it well? Or do I want to minimize my life in that area and really just pour into my core? Do I want to help a a lot of different organizations um, mediocrely or do I want to minimize my commitments and pick one and do it really well? And I say this from experience because I am someone that I'm very relational. I'm a huge community activist. And so I did have a lot of relationships at one time. I was trying to maintain giving everybody quality time. A lot of um, organizations I was involved in trying to give them the best of my gifts and talents to help them because I believed in their causes and I was exhausting myself. And so when I began to just really look at what I did in my home and apply it to other areas of my life, I have found that this is the most um, at peace and content I have ever been in my entire life. And I just, I wake up every day and I feel very fulfilled. I feel like um, I'm moving in a forward direction. I'm making an impact in my life instead of running around like a chicken with my head cut off, always feeling like I'm only doing things halfway or mediocrely. I think in this world, we're told you can do everything, you can do anything. And so we do, we get involved in multiple relationships with people or multiple relationships with organizations. And it is, it's hard to kind of go deep when you are spread out. It doesn't mean you don't have to care about multiple things, but if you choose to put your time and energy and effort into a few, um, I, as you were talking, I was just thinking about ways that I have activated and minimizing in the areas of relationships. For me, it's choosing not to call so many people to check up on them or text so many people because they're mm. not texting me, you know, like, right. Um, I, I care for them. And if there is a contact in the future, there is love there because sure. there's nothing wrong. But sure. for a while, I felt like I had to be the one that was responsible for checking in on all these people I've ever met. And there's a lot of people that I've met and I yeah. care for a lot of people. Absolutely. But I want to know that if I'm trying to remember who knows about the recent passing of my dog, I'm not trying to figure out who I told because I'm telling too many people. I know that I've talked to my core group of friends and that they know what's going on in my life. So just kind of, I've personally worked at minimizing who I'm talking to and how often I'm talking to them. And that doesn't mean I don't care about people. It doesn't mean that I'm minimizing an entire relationship. That's just an example of a way that I am actively trying to reduce the amount of mental energy that I am spending in areas that I don't need to be spending. 
spending it in. right like a, a good question to ask how long has it been since they've reached out to you how long has it been since they've been to your house absolutely and it's not like there's these huge falling out i mean right. and it doesn't mean that if you say no to for example working with an organization or volunteering on a project that you're not available when someone calls up and says, hey, can I ask you a quick question? Or, hey, could you help me make a phone call and make a connection here? Or would you mind reading this email or looking this grant over? Right. And I use those as examples. Those little things come up in my life all the time. It's just not a lot of focused energy. You haven't said, hey, every time you have a grant, I'm going to examine it. It's exactly. Just, they know that the door is still open for relationship, but you're not committing Right. to something so there's other parts of your life that you might be thinking that it'd be smart for you to consider you know taking a minimalistic approach um as we kind of head towards the end of the episode here today uh and before we talk about some um resources that you might really enjoy mm -hmm. we just want to remind you if you have a story to share or a perspective that you want us to cover in the mini-sode maybe something that we didn't cover in this show that you're like oh i would love for you to talk about this be sure to write to us pictureimperfectshow at gmail.com or you can also head to our website pictureimperfect.show and you can submit your information there as well as our phone number is in the upper left-hand corner. And you can call us or text us. Yeah, and text us or leave us a message. And like we've done in the past with some of Abby's messages that she's left, just those audio recordings, we love playing those things. Um, and just hearing your guys' perspective because, you know, like I was saying earlier, the difference between the way like our moms think about things and the way we do we're in the same generation. Our moms come from the same generation. And there's a gap there in the way we're thinking and the way they're thinking. So all of us coming together, there's people out there listening right now that are younger than us, that they're going to have a perspective that we don't have. So I love thinking about things in different ways, hearing different perspectives. And I love to be challenged on, well, why do you feel this way? And so definitely um, any feedback we've ever had from listeners in the past has definitely helped me a ton me so, too yeah. yeah just hearing it from someone else's perspective is helpful and that's why we hope that this podcast is helpful to you is that you're hearing shana and i kind of process our own experiences and failures and successes with this whole entire journey of just living right. on this planet to the best of our ability um some of the resources that are out there well there's one called google and you can type in minimize <laughs> google <laughs> just kidding there's actually is that there's on a the ton. the world wide web is that on the www dot oh my goodness brief <laughs> brief brief bunny trail <laughs> i used to work at hotels.com answering the phone and booking hotel reservations for anyone who called through the website yes and every once in a while someone would call in who was not familiar with using their laptop computer. They just managed to get to hotels.com somehow, or they saw a TV commercial and they called in to book a reservation, but they wanted to look at it themselves. And I, because I care, rather than be like, okay, just call back later and leave it up to someone else, would walk through step-by-step step how to turn on a computer, how to find the web browser. And one man, I hope I never forget him, he's this elderly gentleman. And I said, okay, just type in www. He says, okay, where's the W? <laughs> and I had to walk him through how to find it on the keyboard and then find the dot. I mean, like it was the whole thing. Oh my goodness. And I did it because I care about people. Aww. I was not. Uh, our supervisor on sales, the, the sales floor was not a fan of me because he's like, you need to get off the phone and make a sale. And I'm like, dude, listen, this is an old man. He just needs somebody to care for I him. Think <laughs> my mom works for a company similar to that. And I think she runs into the same problems in her company because she's always like going that extra mile for people. And they're like, no, no, no. Like time is money. Come on. <laughs> there is a, a website called the minimalists.com uh this pair of guys has made quite the um splash in the whole minimalist mm -hmm. movement they have a podcast they have a film that they created they've got books that they've written uh they do curse just a heads up i listen to their podcast so they have a flavorful vocabulary for those who are triggered by people who use flavorful vocabulary mm -hmm. so just a kind of a heads up there but they have a lot of resources at their site including a blog all free information just suggestions and, and perspective on an entire lifestyle Mm -hmm. of living minimalistically. So if you kind of want to hear 
um, some resources or read some resources that are living the minimalist lifestyle. Not like Shannon and I are talking about minimizing our lives in ways that are appropriate for us with the right. you know with the goal of having more mental energy and things like that. Right. And and so ours is kind of experiential in our lives. It's like a part of our life, but it's not our lifestyle. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I should ask you, is it a goal of yours to become an actual minimalist where when you walk in, it's just very uh, bare bones. I mean, that's actually kind of a, a stigma. It's not, not all minimalists have like nothing in their home, but you know. Yeah. So I would have at any other point in time in my life have answered that and said no Mm -hmm. but I am finding that the more I do this the more I'm being drawn to it I was dusting the other day and all my family photos that I love that are on a really pretty antique um chest in my office yeah I was like I need to get rid of all these (laughs) 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 I don't want to move these anymore this is a hassle like there's almost an addiction to the efficiency of I love how little time I spend cleaning my house and doing my laundry. It has freed up so much of my life yeah. to think about how much having even more. that on another level. So, so I don't know. What I would mean, you do? Would know. you get like one digital frame that just cycles through all of your favorite pictures? Well, that would be an efficient way to do it, wouldn't it? Hadn't thought about that. That's but one that's of the things a really I've considered. Good idea. I've been thinking about investing in. Oh, this is a sorry. It's another idea, but it's like. Um, there's so many flat screen TVs that are really, really skinny. Oh, yeah. They look like, yeah, we've been talking about getting one of those to put over our fireplace. Okay, so I've been thinking that about... That then display pictures yes, when the TV's not on. And yeah. just have it kind of even plug in. There's all the wireless dongles that you can get, like a Chromecast well, or whatever. And then you could just have it go through photos that are existing on a computer or on a hard drive. So that is something we've talked about. I've also talked about like in for anyone who's been in my house, Danae, you've been in my house, my whole two walls when you walk into my living room is just all these pictures of my family. And Sean and I have talked about when we're going to repaint the living room, when we repaint it, just making it more sleek and efficient. So putting up maybe just a few really nice frames with a couple yeah. of really nice pictures instead of right now, mine's more kind of country, chic, eclectic, all these different frames. But man, it's a pain in the butt to dust and take care of. And I, I'm just I finding have a I don't solution. Wanna, what? Don't dust. Uh, That's I on another episode of Picture Imperfect. Allergies. <laughs> but it is. The more, the more I do it, the more I'm drawn to want to get rid of more and live more that way. My husband would do it in a heartbeat. It's the dream of his life. Um, I don't know that I will ever be as extreme as my husband wants to be. Another um, resource that you may go and look at is websites like Be More With Less, where they have a blog mm-hmm. and they talk That's about a good one. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot out there if you want to just find other people who are living mm-hmm. very simplistically. And you'll even find that some people on like the minimalist.com, uh, they'll do like guest blogs or they'll yes. be guest hosts on their podcast. And there's entire groups of people who are encouraging people to live um, this lifestyle or even just try. Absolutely. It's a it's a really cool community. Um, my husband and I have been following the minimalist for several years now, and we've purchased um, several of their books, and they've been really helpful and given us a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. And like anything, some of it I take and some yep, of it I exactly. Toss. Uh, another one is minimalism.life. You can subscribe to their monthly lifestyle newsletter and kind of hear more from them in their blog. So lots of people out there kind mm-hmm. of trying to figure out what it means to live simple um, and efficiently with less items in their home and maybe less clutter in their mental space, which I agree with you, Shannon. The more we can do that, the more we have um, the presence and awareness to be able to pour into the things that really, really matter, with which we believe is relationships with yeah. uh, people who care for us and love us and obviously those who are um, closest to us or that we've been given like our children we want to be present for them so the less time we're spending trying to find that thing in the house um the the more time we have for them i totally agree can i tell you about something yeah you don't know about this i woke up in the night about mm, a month ago Mm -hmm. and had this idea because i am on my own journey of minimalizing things and i can use some encouragement um 
to create a website where it would be like a resource for people to find kind of one-on-one encouragement, kind of like a coaching type thing Yeah, called Minimacist. Like it's minimizing and assisting. Yeah. Minimacist. What do you think? I like it. Well, I got the website. You did? I was going to say you wouldn't be talking about this (laughs) if you had known it. (laughs) I went and I was like, oh, minimacist.com is totally available. So here's the thing. I come up with ideas all the time that I think are brilliant, but I don't know if I should follow through. So I'm curious, Shannon, you like it. I'm curious if you, our audience, thinks it would be a smart idea if you're somebody who's found um, a great deal of pleasure and encouragement from minimizing in your life and you would like to assist other people by encouraging them, or if you think this website's a good idea, feel free to write in and tell me about it because yeah. I do have the website and I can build something, but I don't know if there's a need or an excitement to I do that. I think there's a need, but I am so relational and I'm one of those people that... I like doing things in team and community and cheering each other on and just having that accountability. And yeah, and I'm somebody who gets called from people who have an idea uh, for a project or a business, and they are always wanting to figure out how to boil it down into its manageable parts. And so Mm -hmm. I do that with people. I assist them in minimizing their ideas all the time, all the time. So it kind of maybe even could do that too. I don't know. I'm going to throw it out on this podcast and see what you guys think our beloved audience. Um, so that's, I think so guys write in and let (laughs) me me know, because I do think this is something that I really feel there's a need for it. So Definitely um, send the messages in and give us your feedback on it. I'm going to be really curious. We'll have to update everybody on our mini-sode. I know. On the mini-sode, which will be next week, we'll be doing our mini-sode episode. Can you believe it? No. We're just trucking right along. We are. Um, We love to hear from you. So again, send us your comments, feedback, questions. All of our contact information is to be found at our website, pictureimperfect.show. If you haven't checked out the website, you can read more about Shannon and I, see some of the comments from you guys, and of course, read all of our show notes, which are not only in your podcast player, but they're actually a blog post at our website. So if you ever have a question or something, you can always find our blogs and leave comments there. Yeah. And friends, if you love this podcast and this is something that is reaching you, encouraging you in some way, um, it's making you want to put on your makeup at Silver Dollar City. <laughs> um, will you please take a moment to go to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast, rate it and share it. This is just the one part of the podcast that we cannot do without you. And we do feel like this is something that more people would enjoy hearing and that there's people out there in the world that need to hear it and need to be encouraged but they're not going to find us without you so it is through your subscribing and rating and sharing that actually um, pops us up in the news feeds of itunes and um, just gets us on those lists and things of up and what's it called the up and new coming? and noteworthy okay see i'm not uh, like good. totally hip on all the lingo i know how important <laughs> it is though it is it's important especially the sharing part it's not just shannon and i going <laughs> we're having a good time and we're doing something we're proud of but it's you guys too so right. thank you for sharing us with your friends and for encouraging us and sending in your feedback and stories That's what's going to make 2019 so much fun is hearing more from you. So again, head to the website. We would love to hear from you. And until next week, have a beautifully and perfect day. Bye, friends. Bye.